0: Together Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show Everything's running smoothly
1: Yo, yo, yo yo. What is going on? My name's Herzl That's Kitty And this right here It's your KC Morning Show kids say a happy monday to both you and the kc morning hose what's the word girl i'm getting boosty today there she is boosting her back better she uh took the advice of my good friend to She's gonna get, so yeah kiddies don't get that shot don't get that software updates don't put your phone by your arm or anything i need to stop it don't get your shots up. i can't wait to get updated
0: so i can put in new music into my arm
1: so on the show today kitty we're breaking news on the show we are the first program to break this scoop alarm emoji that's what we have on this show, Eric Bunch, your city councilman From the 4th District, Kansas City City Council, is a big deal And yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge My guy's got news What kind of news? Oh, he's got news Big news News, news, news You said it was breaking Breaking Dang And also on the show today, Carrington Harrison He is the host of The Drive on 610 Sports Radio 2 to 6, I think He never did tell me what his time was
0: A real fan would know
1: Other than that, Kitty, I guess We gotta get ready to send you out for a jab I gotta do a couple gigs, myself trying to find an agent i don't know what i'm doing i have no idea we're gonna go to hula hands and lee summit so why are you shaking your head you want to come with we'll get you some of You're ca-
2: no i'm laughing because last night you said you were meeting up at hoolies and i thought hoolies that sounds like a hip and upcoming
0: place never heard of hoolies then he throws on the hands
1: picture of long islands a middle-aged white woman and her mother and they both love me welcome to hoolies see you next time why you keep shaking your This sounds like the place to be. No, this is the place to be, Kansas City. This is your KC Morning Show. My name's Hartzell. That's Kitty. Kitty, is it a good day to be a Kansas And What you think?
0: Would you like fries with that? What? Who lands?
1: You're still at Yeah. You haven't left the Who lands thing yet? My name's Hartzell. We'll see you in the morning.
2: Bye. You gotta
1: Morning show. He is the host of The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, Carrington Harris, and You are a, a filmmaker, you're a sports reporter, your podcaster, YouTuber. The Hustle is Strong. What else are you doing now? What is what is the grind in 2022 now?
2: Hartzell, I'm laying in the bed. That's what I'm doing right Jesus now. <laughs> that's that's so what, what I'm it. doing. You called me and asked me to do this. Yes, I did. And I'm just laying in bed. Now, I'm going to get up probably soon after this, but I'm doing this from the bed.
1: I'm proud of you. Uh, You're nailing it. So did you watch the games yesterday? Have you seen anything like this before last week of NFL season?
2: I don't know how the NFL does it, to be completely honest, because on paper, very few of these matchups looked appealing, looked entertaining. And yesterday was some of the most captivating television I'd ever seen before, like the Sunday night football game, where in the back of your mind, you know that a tie is possible And both teams can make the playoffs with the tie, but no one wants to tie in the National Football League. So you had that storyline sort of hanging over the game. You have the potential final game of Ben Roethlisberger, but now we know it's not going to be the last game of Ben Roethlisberger. The Indianapolis Colts have a win-in-your-end situation against the worst team in the league, and they get blown out. I mean, yesterday was just—it was perfect, and I tweeted this yesterday— you know how hard it is to master something? The NFL has mastered television. This is the best television can ever be right now with the National Football League.
1: Yo, you going to be Arrowhead? Are you scared whatsoever of the Steelers? and or ben roethlisberger
2: the steelers might be one of the worst teams to make the playoffs in the last 10 years to be completely (laughs) real with you about it i'm thinking so last year the bears made the postseason and if you remember that was that nickelodeon game the saints played the bears and the bears were just not competitive at all that's what this game feels like this feels like the 2022 version of saints and bears the steelers the, the the funny thing about the steelers is for all the things that we believe you need to win in 2021, 2022. The Steelers don't really do any of those things effectively, yet they they have a winning record. They made the playoffs. It just doesn't make any sense.
1: Yo, man, it looks real nice, that rematch. I'm looking at the brackets. I can see a KC Tampa running back round two.
2: I think it's going to be really hard for the Buccaneers to make the Super Bowl they don't, they're not going to have Chris Godwin, so he's their number two wide receiver option. Obviously, we know what happened with Antonio Brown. They're banged up at running back, too. So their offense is just drastically different than it was a season ago. This just feels like the year that Green Bay finally gets over the hump. I mean, they've been to the NFC Championship game the last two years. They've been knocking at the door. They've been the most consistent team and best team in the NFL for the entire season. This feels like the year in which Green Bay finally gets over the hump and goes back to the Super Bowl and, Aaron Rodgers goes to his second, and we'll see if he can win his second. But I think it's going to be really hard, especially to go to Green Bay and beat that team this year. Well,
1: I know you guys got the coverage all on 610. What are you working on? Anything you got going on? You making any more movies? What's what you got to plug?
2: I don't have any plans. I'm still laying in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Are have... you
1: going to be talking to Patrick Mahomes from the bed? Or are you going to get up by then?
2: I'm still going to go to work today. I'm just it's not work time right now. You know what I mean? It's not work time right now. I'm going to get up, I'm going to take a quick little shower, maybe grab myself a granola bar or something, (laughs) get ready to go to work. This is, I was actually talking to somebody about this yesterday. This is probably one of the busiest times of my life. So now it's just, you know, I, I'm a hundred percent dialed in until the chiefs either are eliminated or win the super bowl. So until the chiefs play their final game, it's kind of balls to the wall. I'm all in from now until then. So that that's really all I'm thinking about. That's my only focus between now and then. And then after that, you know, I will evaluate what I want to do in 2022.
1: Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you taking this time for us. Is this, you know, this is the time you find yourself. So honestly, I know this is a big deal to do this. So I just want you to know I appreciate it. Thank you, Carrington.
2: Parts of it. Anytime you ask me to come on this show, I'll do it. It doesn't matter what I have going on. As long as I'm not doing something directly for my job, I'm happy to come on with
1: you. My man. Carrington Harrison, he's the host of The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. Was that uh, 2 to 6 or 2 to 5? I mean, I like how you have me on here
2: and don't know when my show is.
1: Because I listen. I I listen to you nonstop, (laughs) so I don't even know what the times
2: are because I listen on demand. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. I can't believe you're actually selling big cap right now. Yo, can I tell a story really quickly before I get out of yeah, here? Yeah, now go ahead, audience? tell that story. So you invited me out to one of your wrestling events. I come out, and it was it was a good time. Like I, I had a lot of fun. I come over to say hi to you. Have me come on the microphone. I was on the microphone for about 30 seconds before <laughs> you basically kicked me off. It was. Hey, Carrington's here. I pick up the mic. Hey, I'm happy you guys have me out here. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming out. And I'm like, I just got here. I didn't do anything. Like, why? Why are Bro, you kicking it me was out my main thing?
1: event. Carrington showed up to the event with one match remaining. So don't act like you've been here all all show. I appreciate you coming out, though. I do.
2: I had stuff I had to do, <laughs> but I told you I would come. I came to. I came to the last match and a half. I saw. <laughs> I saw the end of the the co-main event, uh-huh. and I stayed for the main event. And the next time you guys have an event. As long as it's not outside, I remember you had that one at Lemonade Park and it was 109 <laughs> degrees outside. I don't have any interest in coming to that event, but the next time you have a wrestling event, I will be there. For the record, okay.
1: If you come out to the next show, you will be our third person on commentary. We need that social clout. That's reach, baby. So I will put you on the mic.
2: Okay. I'm excited to do it. It's done. Okay. Event, it's done. The next time you have I will call one of the matches.
1: Carrington Harrison, I will see you soon. I will see you on the mic.
2: All right. Thanks, Hartzell. I appreciate you, man.
1: Straight to one place, right to Kansas City. The KC Morning Show. You know, like when they have the five timers on SNL, you're posted for five times and you get a nice, nice jacket. Well, you know what? As someone who has been nominated multiple times for the pitch best of awards, Eric Bunch, I feel like you and I, Eric, I feel like we're kindred spirits, my friend. Oh,
0: I I think I finished a distant third uh, to uh, to to my friend Mayor Quentin Lucas, and you know it was, it was good to be nominated though, and uh, best uh, two years in a row nominated and two years in a row I think finishing uh, a, a distant uh, second or third. So you know what I uh, I'm happy just to be here and be nominated, but I'm also excited to be on the show. It's uh, like you said, a long time coming, and hopefully I get one of those uh, those those five timer uh, jackets here pretty soon.
1: Absolutely, that means we're gonna have you on the show four more times. That's
0: well, what that I'll be here. I'll be here.
1: Eric Bunch, is your city council member for the fourth district of the greatest city in the world, Kansas City, Missouri. Eric, how long have you been at the gig?
0: Yeah, so I was elected in 2019, took office August 1st of that year. So I've been in for about uh, almost two and a half years, which seems seems wild because it seems like a lot longer than two and a half years. Considering uh, what was to come not long after we took office, I mean, this is my first time ever being uh, elected to anything. And you know, the thing that when when people often ask, like, "Is the job exactly what you expected?" I'm like, "No, not at all." Actually, I did not expect us to go into you know one of the most trying, challenging times of 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 our generation for sure with with COVID. But it's been an interesting two and a half years, and despite COVID and despite the 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 real challenge and the and the unfortunate loss and, and and pain that it's brought so many of us we've really been able to accomplish a lot of great things having some great colleagues in the council and and a, and a great mayor to work with all the time
1: if we can pull back a little bit of the curtain you said this is the first time you had one elected mm-hmm. office and then fast forward what six seven months we're in a global pandemic as you're <laughs> seeing and realizing what's going on and you're realizing that oh shit, um I'm going to have to get involved here. We're going to have to get involved here. You know, at what point did someone bring this up that, hey, y'all, this is this is going to be a thing.
0: It, it was interesting. It was like a it was a slow burn at first. Uh, and maybe that's the that's the best way I can describe it. And thinking back, like when I was in college and SARS was happening and there was this yeah. threat that SARS was going to get out uh, Coronavirus is very similar, and it didn't, and so it was isolated, and it didn't. That managed to not spread for a variety of reasons, and I don't know all of the epidemiology involved there. But I think so many of us early on, when we first started learning about it in in early 2020, you know, I think a lot of us didn't realize. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, this is this is real. Like these, we're seeing a whole bunch of cases, and suddenly people are on ventilators. In the United States, and then I think when it was really real was the Big Twelve tournament. Was in town, walking around downtown and watching fans leave their hotels, get in their cars, and drive back to their cities. This is legit. And I am very thankful for our health department and many other health departments out there across the country uh, leading the way. And I've got to give a lot of credit to Mayor Q for really stepping up in a big way early on. And I think other cities didn't have that leadership. You know, our neighbors just to the east in St. Louis were really looking to us and looking to you know, here we are six months into our job. Like you said, Mayor Q six months into his job as being mayor. And I think really, really took the lead in a big way. And I, and I've said this to him before that that quick action, I think saved potentially hundreds, if not thousands of lives here in Kansas city and we just had to figure it out. And as politicians, we had to sit back and listen to the scientists and listen to the health department and listen to our epidemiologists to explain to us what the best course of action is. So that's always been my approach is, is take the advice of the experts. And that's always what I've, what I've done. And I think most of my colleagues do the same thing. You know, we're always, there's always some gray area, so to speak. And, and, you know, whether we take this next level, like whether we instituted, a new mask mandate across the board, or or do we pull back that mask mandate? I'm always erring on the side of caution, so I try to not operate too much in that gray area and just go full on with the with the you know, biggest recommendations. But six months into the job, and you're in a global pandemic, and. Yeah, so many of us had these. uh, I can speak for myself that I had a lot of things that I wanted to do, a lot of really big focuses like transportation and infrastructure and urban planning, policy work that I wanted to do. That just sort of had to get not pushed aside completely, but had to take a little bit of a back seat to to trying to make sure that Kansas City and stay healthy and safe, and and we. Don't lose too many of our friends and family here.
1: I feel like I'm about to make your point even stronger. I want to ask you about those policy programs that you wanted to Mm -hmm. introduce, but I got to ask you a couple more questions on COVID. You know, Um, yeah. So why have we just seemed to put blinders on? You know, you you mentioned how (laughs) Mayor Q may have, and I there's no may have. I think he absolutely saved lives with those early implementations, and you yourself and the council passing those ordinances. I think that was the right move. But look how that reactionary response has been i i Mm -hmm. i'm someone who thinks that because mayor q did those things he did i think that is one thousand percent one of the reasons now we have to have a vote every 30 days you're in the room where it happens my friend so Mm -hmm. for those of us who are just screaming into the void and we don't want to do that anymore because our voices are sore what what do we do as it seems like i don't know it seems like we're just kind of losing sight of this thing
0: i i think you're right i think that that several cities uh st louis Kansas City, of course, and and Columbia and and maybe a couple other places. But those those three in Missouri have really, I think, been the most pragmatic and uh, but but maybe more on the aggressive side and fighting this thing and instituting mass mandates, I, I think, is what's gotten us to the point where the governor's finally like, hey, You could no longer do this as an executive order you've got to do this through a vote and um and it's got to be renewed every 30 days and i and i I don't i don't get it i'm gonna be honest i don't understand why the 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 so-called freedom to not wear a mask has become such a politicized thing like like why is it that that your freedom to not wear a mask uh, should trump and forgive me for using that that term <laughs> that verb but but why should that trump our collective public safety this is about our collective responsibility to each other to keep each other safe and healthy. And I don't understand why putting something over your face to keep your germs from spreading all over the place has become such a political issue. And it is political. And the data proves that that this is political. It proves that that masks and vaccines in particular have a direct correlation with, with political party affiliation. I just, and I do not understand that. I think that it's scary that we've gotten to this point where we've, politicized science and we've seen that we've seen that not just with covid we've seen that with climate change and how there's a direct correlation a very close correlation between political party and and your belief on whether climate change is something that's actually happening or not and that's and that's not where we should be as a country and um, i'm going to keep advocating for for science and belief in science and belief in, more importantly, belief in experts. It's been interesting to see this sort of Dunning-Kruger effect happening and phrase that we hear, either, never heard before this, uh, but but people who suddenly are experts on something that they actually have no business <laughs> claiming to be an expert in. I, for one, believe that we need to listen to the actual experts, the people who've, who've, been, who've spent their entire careers learning about something and getting uh, degree after degree and doing actual research and not just looking at YouTube videos. And unfortunately, um, that political divide is, there is that. It's a political divide. And I'm not going to get caught up in that, I'm just going to keep listening to to what the experts are telling me. Like, I'm an expert in somehow getting several thousand people to vote for me. <laughs> that's what my expertise is in. I, and that's what politicians need to understand is that their expertise is in getting people to vote for them. And you know, there are a lot of different ways that that happens, of course. And in my case, I guess people liked me and thought that I should be elected to represent them and to make good decisions. And I think that one of those good decisions that I've made is to set my like feeling of what I think things are, and actually listen to experts, and whether that's listening to our city staff on issues, listening to you know health department, listening to you know, an engineer on a on a street design, uh, listening to experts who work at the airport. That's my role as a politician. I think more politicians need to need to understand that, that they're not the experts on particular issues, especially on issues of public health.
1: You know, we've always framed it as politics being local, right? And it seems now that even local issues are getting tied up with national storylines. Yeah, for sure. How do you all navigate through these legitimately unprecedented waters?
0: Yeah, you know, and I would say that, that we've seen this isn't the first time that state politics have gotten involved with local for the most part kansas city enjoys a lot of of freedom and flexibility and autonomy from the state and then especially from the federal government however um so we're we're what's called a home rule city we have a charter sort of like a local constitution that that establishes the you know the basics of our local government like you'll have a parks department you elect a mayor and a city council and those the mayor and city council appoint a city manager to run the city. Those sorts of things are in the charter that gives us a lot of autonomy and the state doesn't get to say just anything or they don't come in and change our rules. They don't, we, we pass laws um, that, that aren't, Necessarily superseded by by the state. However, the state has a history, especially in the recent past, with a really it's ever since the the state legislature has become a supermajority Republican. Um, have we started seeing a lot of really bizarre, sometimes um, sometimes really damaging laws that that the Our ability to govern ourselves. So, an example of that, like one of the most bizarre examples of that, is when Columbia, Missouri passed an ordinance that banned plastic bags in the city. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not commenting on my opinion about the plastic bags, but the state responded and said, no, states in Missouri cannot ban the use of plastic bags. So, in essence, the states banned plastic bag ban. So, we have a Plastic bag ban ban in the state of Missouri. And we've seen that with the preemption of, of how we can regulate guns and access to guns in the city. We have no control over over that. Common example, the most frequently talked about example is is our Police department. There's a state law that preempts the Kansas City, Missouri, from managing its own police department and tells us how much money we have to spend every year. And so, so I say that because this new thing where the where the Republican majority in the state has has really weighed in and preempted the cities from doing our own work and minding our own business. It's not new, and this is just another clear example. The real real scary part is this is costing people their lives by not allowing us to Keep our public safe from this deadly virus. Um, it, it's it's costing people's lives. It's putting our kids in danger at schools. We see on on these COVID restrictions that we the more we're restricted by the state, the harder it's going to be to keep our public safe, and it's going to cost people their lives. And especially um, with our attorney general, who has really turned this into a crusade against school districts and against cities, rather than doing his job and protecting people in, you know, in in the state of Missouri Instead, not protecting their safety, but going after this really bizarre sense of freedom and really costing people their health, health and safety and potentially their lives. And that's really been frustrating. And that's why we should not be politicizing science and health and best practices.
1: And by the way, you were right. You're almost about to say he's not taking into account the United States. And then you said, <laughs> I mean, you know this yeah. better than most. This affects all of us. Have we learned nothing by the phrase exponential growth? But yep. I want to talk about you, my friend. and specifically I want to talk about your policies and some ideas you have for Kansas City but I gotta I gotta ask this one first you uh you running again uh planning on
0: it yes uh you uh I wasn't planning on to make it a big official announcement just yet but Whoops. you know what um I might as well I am running again and you get the scoop here and and I mean, you're the first person who's asked me in any sort of public realm or any, and so um, I'm happy to say that I will be running again. This has been one of the more, this has really been, other than becoming a parent and and getting married to the love of my life, uh, this job has been probably, this has been the most fulfilling thing I've ever experienced. And yeah, I absolutely want to do it again. I want to serve another four years in Kansas City and got a lot of unfinished business. I've accomplished a few big things and glad to talk about a couple of those, despite covid being such a, a a important pressing focus you know a- but there's still a lot, to, a lot more to accomplish, and I'm really excited to hopefully uh, convince the voters to, to give me another four years to get out here and keep doing the work.
1: From the Buck O'Neill Bridge to the streetcar and development east side, and we've got development downtown. What are your agenda? What are your goals in your second term?
0: You know, I've got a year and a half left of this term, and I think there's some really exciting things to get done in this next year and a half, but don't want to dwell on the past or live in the past, but I- do want to say a couple of things that have really been, I think, a positive thing for Kansas City since I was elected that I was directly, I would say, responsible for. Is the biggest one that I think is the most exciting thing is that we're now the largest city in the country to have have zero fare public transportation. So you can ride the bus. You'd always ride the streetcar, but that's going to be going in. The streetcar expansion is also going to be free to ride. And so that was something that I said that I wanted to get done, and shocking <laughs> we were able to get it done in the first budget cycle yeah. um the first the first budget i ever voted on uh included uh provision for for zero fare transit and that's that puts us on a map in a different way it would have been more interesting to see what happened if COVID hadn't have really, really hurt us so badly in so many ways and transit was, was one of those. But you know, I think that that's something really exciting for us to to really hang our hats on. and something I'm really proud of. We've, I think, pushed the needle a little bit in a positive direction on some incentive policy. I'm working on continuing to you know, asking developers to sharpen their pencils a little bit when it comes to asking for incentives I think the development has to keep happening but we've got to do better, we've got to do right by our, our school districts in particular when it comes to doling out incentives and I think we're getting there and I'm proud to have a good relationship with the Kansas City Public School District which as we've heard somewhat breaking news last week yeah. was that it sounds like the school district will get full accreditation and I cannot take any credit for that other than being here for moral support and to help them recoup some more of the their hard-earned money when it comes to uh, incentives. And that's something that I've always been a champion for. You know, several other things going on uh, that we've done with uh, that gets a little bit wonkier in the transportation infrastructure realm. But looking toward the future, I think we'll know I, I'm working hard to save the Buck O'Neill Bridge, uh, which I think that uh, we need something that carries the now hall of famers name and something that's really exciting and not just a a boring old highway bridge we're gonna we're looking at turning in that historic bridge into something special instead of tearing it down which was modot's plan the mayor and i and city manager's office are working hard on a plan to, to save it and turning it into an incredible urban linear park that connects downtown to to the northland in a way that we've never seen before think of something like the High Line in new york or any linear park that you can think of that's that's really um, well designed and in fighting, that's something that we're going to see on the buck and I think that we'll we'll be on a path it won't be done because that bridge won't be done. the new bridge won't be done until uh, after, into my second term but we'll be well on our way to uh, raising the capital and making that a reality. And so that's something really exciting. we're not looking at. We're, we're extending the streetcar and so that's another I think accomplishment that I can hang my hat on a little bit. I, uh, it was really staff and the streetcar, authority. It's our public works department um, who really made that happen. But uh, we're able to secure more than enough capital money to make that happen. The rail is literally like laying on giant pallets uh, down near Union Station right now. So it's getting it's getting real. They were getting rail as the Ray Gun t-shirt uh, had on the t-shirt a few years ago. So going to see that streetcar extended into UMKC and also a riverfront extension as well. And it's crazy. We're already talking beyond that, looking at, all right, well, where do we go next? There's a lot of interest in the Northland now, which could potentially serve part of my district up north and in you know, North Kansas City as well. Always talking about East-West connections, looking at Linwood or 31st have always been looked at as potential east-west connections there's a study going on right now to look at extending the streetcar between ku med which isn't in my isn't obviously in my district uh, it's just across the state line but it's very close so serving 39th Street west all the way to the east over possibly all the way over to the VA hospital so we're looking at starting to create a, a, a real rail network which is something that we've always envisioned I think that's pretty exciting stuff we're going to have the airport done the middle of my second term, actually early in my second term. So a brand new airport terminal is something that that's exciting. We can talk about all the ribbon cuttings and the nice to haves, but we also have to keep in mind that we still have to do a lot better job of serving our most vulnerable citizens. And um, that includes continuing to create a better policy around affordable housing. We're getting there. We're still not quite there. I've got some ideas on that. We've got to do a better job serving our unhoused population. We know that our folks who are living on the street right now has exploded since COVID. And that is unacceptable that we as a country haven't figured out how to make sure everyone has a roof over the head and, and making sure that housing is a right. And that's something that it shouldn't be just the burden of our of our local governments. But to some degree, we are in this, uh, we're sort of left at the end to to take care of it. And we have to, we have no choice but to serve our unhoused population. A lot of things that we're working on there right now, um, but we've got to do better. And one big thing that I'm going to be pushing for in that regard uh, as well as uh, related to affordable housing, is the idea of municipal social housing. And it's something that European countries have been doing, European cities have been doing it a lot. And so we need to be working on investing in municipal social housing, city-owned, affordable housing. And so that is something that I'll be working on over the next year or two, and then into the second term, and hopefully seeing some real projects come online for that coming soon.
1: So as we're you know, bringing all these hotels, And high rises downtown. We can all agree that, you know, our city is in a moment. It's in a bit of a development phase. We do have cranes downtown that are building, but I guess I'm just. I'm worried that as we bring all these high rises, all these hotels, we're not bringing enough jobs. And if you don't have the jobs, then it kind of becomes a new form of gentrification. Yeah. So how can we make sure we're not forgetting about our folks while still taking the opportunity to bring in more investment to our cities from these big corporations? How do we still make sure that that money that we bring in? Number one, we don't give too much away, but also we do end up investing that into the communities that need to see that investment.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. It's always uh, you know, it's always a challenge to seeing the, the cranes go up and seeing the shiny glass towers and and being a kid from the city who grew up here and thinking like, that's not for me. Like that's not, this isn't benefiting me in any way to see this. And we could even say that about infrastructure investment, like a streetcar that doesn't serve my neighbor. I'm not traveling anywhere. Why do I need an airport? And so how do we ensure that we're building a city for everyone and especially building a city for our most vulnerable citizens? And, and I think that one way that we've been doing that is an example at our airport, um, that as we're making these massive public investments that you know we're going to open up a whole bunch of a bunch of restaurants and shops and stuff in, in that new airport terminal one very clear direction that we took as a council and 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 staff really I think ran with our recommendation is that when we're getting a concessionaire in there or getting a developer in there to bring in all these businesses restaurants to serve the flying public that those should be locally owned and operated businesses and so there was a significant focus on that as a top priority. And then when they selected the team to run that, uh, I don't have the numbers on me right now, but it, by and large, most of those businesses who are going to be operating there are going to be local local mom and pop shops. And I think that that's really exciting because those are the folks who are going to hire local people. I think something like 70% were minority or women-owned businesses. So we're looking at, all, and, and many of them were established East side restaurants and businesses. So I think that that's one way that we as a city are leading that. Another way is that something that I was involved in and I give, have to give uh, councilman, Kevin O'Neill a lot of credit for this, but um, any incentivized project that so anytime that there's uh, you know a tiff or an abatement on a new office tower or, or whatever those construction jobs that go into into building that have to be prevailing wage they don't have to be union necessarily but they have to pay prevailing wage that's something we've always required for public we hire a contractor to put in a water line that 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 contractor's got to pay prevailing wage so they're paying above and beyond a typical living wage they're paying good 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 union salary if, if it's not even if it's not a union job so that's another way that we're, we're ensuring that this is becoming a city for everyone that's not enough um, so that's why we've got to work with organizations like the full employment council um, to ensure that they're building those job skills I'm doing a lot of work with unions uh, to make sure that there's good uh, workforce development because that's another challenge we have is we don't have the workforce in so many of these you know skilled trades and so making sure that there's this pipeline and I think the construction of the airport is a good example of, of um, really focusing on training Young people, especially to get into the trades. And many of those folks who were in this, in that program to, to learn how to be an electrician or learn how to do concrete flat work, they're now going into the unions often and getting, and getting jobs beyond the airport. One thing that I'm a little concerned about, because a big part of getting jobs to the people of Kansas City is, is construction. And I think we've seen that sort of pipeline from, uh, you know, apprenticeships into you know full time employment with the airport terminal. Once the airport terminal is done, and the streetcar is one that's going to kind of pick up some of those jobs. But what happens when all that's done? So we've got to keep moving forward on some of our big construction projects. So that's why I always find it such a tricky balance with incentives that like we've gotta build stuff because building those projects are really important and critical for the people of Kansas City. I did a little bit of rambling there just to say that how kind of everything is connected and we're always trying to piece together those components to move forward, but also ensuring that, you know, as as things come online like the new airport, that we're thinking of, of local local
1: businesses and, and local jobs. And never say you're rambling on this show. That's <laughs> that's my job to ramble. What we're doing is what work- Workshop and we're doing this in real time and I love it. And, yeah, and thank you yeah. for for taking the time. I got one last big picture question. Then I promise we'll we'll get real short and sweet. Policing, sure. Eric Bunch. Yeah, the floor is yours.
0: Yeah. <laughs> A bit of an open-ended question. Well, you know, I have been I. Th- I still believe that I'm the only council person. This isn't a brag or anything. But, you know, I was the only one who ever came out to say that that, that our chief, our police chief, Rick Smith, was not doing a good job and needed to go. And so I am happy that The chief has decided to to move on. I think it remains a big question of what comes next, um, because the other thing that I've also been outspoken on here is that we need local control of our police department. So Chief Smith wouldn't be an issue if we had local control. And, and that's not to say that the city council needs all this power. I hear that argument all the time. Is it the city council just wants power over the police department? It's like, no, not, no, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it has to do with the fact that that it is completely undemocratic, that the people of Kansas City uh, who pay taxes here, Pay they pay e-tax, they pay sales tax, they pay a property tax. It goes in to support the city of Kansas City. It goes in to support the entire budget of the police department, which they have no say in. The only member, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, the only member of the police board of commissioners who is elected by the citizens of Kansas City is the mayor. And he's just one vote. He's just one vote on that board. The rest are appointed by the governor of Missouri. And that is completely undemocratic for those reasons i want to make sure that the citizens of kansas city have a more direct say in how the biggest department budget-wise in the city is governed and i think that the results speak for themselves we had a record-breaking year of homicides last year we're on um year before last in 2020 2021 was not much better and uh so since ever since, uh, ever since the, the chief has been in that role um, we've we've seen violent crime go up and another significant problem we have seen just awful treatment of, of our citizens and I think that really for a lot of people I think they finally saw that with Cameron Lamb's murder actually facing consequences and and I always say that that was not, seeing that officer being convicted, that's not justice. That's just a consequence for an action. Justice would mean that we had a police department that didn't beat pregnant women, that didn't kill people who were unarmed and didn't have a police chief who said things like, well, the bad guy's dead before having any knowledge of the situation. And so for those reasons, we have to, we have to do a complete reform of what public safety in this city and across the country really means to us so that, Citizens actually are safe. For those reasons, I'm going to keep pushing for local control. I think that that's going to be difficult in this political climate right now, but it's the most fair thing to do. And I think it's the only way that we're going to get to a point where the citizens of Kansas City actually have a say in who's running their police department and how that police department is run. Otherwise, it's always going to be at the whim of whoever the governor decides to appoint. And we've got a lot of work to do there. And I'm always going to be a voice for bringing the control back to the people of Kansas City.
1: Councilman Bunch, what encourages you? What what keeps you fired up about Kansas City? What are you leaning into as you're getting ready for the re-election campaign, as we're trying to get out of this panini that we're living in? What keeps you hopeful?
0: You know, I'm I i have I'm a parent of, of three three young kids and I am very excited that we're building a city that they might want to stay in. They may, maybe they'll go away for college. Maybe they'll stay here for college. We have some great universities here. I'm very hopeful that that we're building a city that they want to stay in and return to and, and grow old in. I with a lot of help from from colleagues and professional staff and the great people of this city, we're building a city that they can live in now. There's a lot to be said about making a city that's accessible for, for everyone, including young families and young children. You know, I'm teaching my kids to learn how to navigate a city quite literally, and using things like public transportation, walking home from school, and, uh, and as they get older, they're gaining more independence, and I think it's critical that we have a city where more families feel that they have that opportunity and that means things like free public transit it means things like safe sidewalks and uh and accessible bike lanes you know stuff that stuff that that makes a city safe and enjoyable for everyone especially our our, our youngest kansas citians and that, i think that that's what gets me most excited and that goes beyond just the sidewalks and bike paths and transit it's also creating more community and be, and and knowing our neighbors and i think that we the pride that we have in this city, the city—the tipping point for me—and seeing Kansas City in such a new light. Everyone says that, so many people say this. But but when when the Royals went to the World Series in 2014, and then won the World Series in 2015, was really like like the tipping point for this just like unbelievable, infectious pride. And I think that that's created this sense of community that and the sense of belonging that can't be replicated in in any sort of policy it can't be it it, it's not a law we can pass there's just something about this city that makes it so exciting and that's the city that i want to be raising my family in and that's a city that i'm that i want everyone to feel like they belong you know and that's just the basis i was just like how can we build the kansas city that's the best version of itself because it is the greatest city in the country and i think it could continue to be better <laughs> and we've got a lot of work to do in that and that's really what it is it gets me up every morning and gets me excited to go back to the campaign trail in here in a year and a half and i'm super excited about that but I'm most excited about the next four years and what we can accomplish with Mayor Q and all my colleagues.
1: I have so so enjoyed this. Now this can't be the last time you come on the show. We worked too hard to get you on at this first time.
0: <laughs> Well now, now we uh, we know how it works so um, <laughs> uh, you let me know whenever you want me to come on. I'm here.
1: Eric Bunchy is your city council member for the 4th district and as you heard on this, your KC morning show, my guy is running for re-election. Where can folks go <laughs> to, to see more of you, to see what you're putting out, websites, hey, handles let me know
0: will do yeah certainly and uh always if you want to see the the work in progress you can always watch us on channel two every wednesday morning and thursday afternoon that's uh <laughs> you can see the see how the uh, sausage is made so to speak but other than that please don't hesitate to reach out to my office as the council person for fourth district Bunch at kcmo.org if you've got any constituent issues on the political side ericwbunch.com is my website and uh you can find all my information there. And Eric W. Bunch is my handle for uh, Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff, too. So shoot me a message if there's anything that that, uh, that anyone needs.
1: Eric, I got to ask you, this is how I wrap up every interview. My friend, is it a good day to be a Kansas Cityan?
0: Oh, my goodness, it's a good day. It's uh, sunny out, and it'd be a good day if it's cloudy and rainy. <laughs> but so much exciting stuff going on. It is absolutely a great day to be a Kansas Cityan. <laughs>
2: like your style dude
0: the kc morning show you're listening, listening to the kc morning, KC morning show, show.